Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we will be discussing the most important man in the universe, Miles O'Brien, for our engineering series. Yes, we have arrived to Deep Space Nine talking about Chief O'Brien this week. Ashlyn, this has been something I've been excited for, interested to learn more about O'Brien and go on this journey with you. It's going to be a great episode today. I had really been looking forward to doing this episode. I just think Deep Space Nine takes engineering in such a different direction because they're on a station. So it's going to be so much fun to talk about. Yes, agreed, agreed. And as always, we are very happy to be a part of the Starfleet Podcast Network. Please head to starfleetpodcast.net to check out all of the awesome podcasts that are in this collective. Woo woo. Yeah. Um, Ashlyn. We mm-hmm. need a friend for today. Oh, I really, about... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go through a hard time this, oh. this episode. So I'm definitely... going to be an explorer this episode. So. Oh, oh, geez. <laughs> Michael Burnham took a dive out of the bag. <laughs> oh, she really wanted to be chosen again. She was chosen on the Patreon, so spoilers. Yes. I picked someone, who, like the worst choice. The worst choice? Oh my gosh. For okay. Deep Space Nine. Oh no. Okay. Who do you have? I pulled out Locutus of Borg. Awkward. <laughs> Extremely awkward. Um, Ashlyn, <laughs> besides the Borg joining us, who is joining us? Um, Khan. <laughs> Two villains. Whoa, wait. Can I see your Khan? Yeah. Is that like trying. a playmate's like older one? Yes. <gasps> Dude. Dude, I what? His I chest ha- looks amazing, right? Yeah, I have the um new Target like Playmates con. Oh my gosh, twins! So and yours kind of looks better. Sorry, but um yeah, of course it looks better. Wow, OG Playmates like it's the way. I mean, this Locutus, he's got all the right uh <laughs> wow, tubes I'm, I'm all the like, right places. Are you gonna finish that <laughs> sentence? Uh yeah, I mean, he's looking good. I mean, he's looking bad, but he's looking good for what he is. Yeah. Sick. All so, right, we have our friends now. Since we, ch- our friends, our villains, we don't know our frenemies. Mm-hmm. They're here with us, and Ashlyn, I'm so excited about this episode. I would love to hear about your favorite techno babble this week when uh, watching these episodes for Deep Space Nine. Okay, so this is an unconventional choice, uh-huh. but uh, actually, my favorite techno babble was from Empath Nor when you might remember Garrick uh, goes crazy and like kills some people. Sure. So there's one scene where he goes up to what's that dude, the knowing yellow shirt dude. He kind of looks like Eddington. Yeah. Stevens. It is Stevens. And that one too. God, they're bringing everyone back. Anyway, Steven was there and he was working with some other person and then he turns around and the person's dead. And he says, I turn my back for one second. He asked me to get him a coil spanner and then Garrick says, that's terrible. And the worst part of it is, that's a fox coupler, because that's what he's holding. Yeah. And then Garrick stabs him with it. 
oh that's kind of like the coolest and worst way to go I just think that like kudos to the writers because that is the creepiest way I've heard technobabble be used you know (laughs) like you didn't even get him the right tool and now you're dead like that's crazy that was so well done well choice oh thank you we're gonna see in this episode that there's a huge expansion of like tool techno babble now yes. which there wasn't really as tool much before no babble, for sure <laughs> no babble. there's a lot of cool tools tools that get introduced in ds9 which is That's a random so thing to celebrate you know <laughs> i mean self-stealing self-sealing stem bolts oh my god kidding me oh the, the best of all unbelievable so. okay so mm-hmm. rihanna what was yours what was your favorite techno babble so it doesn't really count as favorite, but it counts as like my most question marks <laughs> appeared above my head during the scene. Sure. In the emissary, where Chief O'Brien is literally uh in charge, put in charge of ops while they all go to the wormhole. And Kira asks if she, if he can move Deep Space Nine, like pretty much in front of the wormhole to stake their claim. And <laughs> he's like, Well, we only have six working thrusters. And this whole station would crack apart like an egg if it doesn't work. Like an egg. And so then Dax comes up with this harebrained crazy technobabble solution that's like, I can, um, if we can establish a partial field, the station's inertial mass can become lighter. (laughs) And then they'll just like, woo, we'll just cruise on with the six thrusters will be more than enough apparently <laughs> because they made the ship light <laughs> using inertial ma- like using this partial field i don't understand it and i think that's very cool and it sounds fake <laughs> so yeah you know i think for me there was something about dax's line delivery that just she seems yes. so confident you know i was like you know i'm not gonna question you know it because it sounds good yeah. it seems like she knows what she's doing <laughs> even in the first episode but it's also funny because pilots sometimes just go even crazier to try to like be cool or new or fresh or whatever for star trek so sometimes the techno babble like goes up a notch as well <laughs> Rihanna, that is an excellent choice. I was really deeply questioning how this was happening as yeah. well. <laughs> I guess, I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's a different episode later that talks about also using like a warp bubble to create a field around something. Oh, yeah, they love fields. So like this is, this is again, another theme that's <laughs> coming up. <laughs> they adore fields. We We all know this, yeah. Okay, well, we keep referencing these episodes that are upcoming. I think it's time to discuss the episodes that have arrived in the docking ring. So yes. <laughs> here we go. We are starting out. This is another like really crazy watch list because we had to make a ton of categories. So yep. we are starting out with following the blueprints with Explorers, Bar Association, and Call to Arms. Next is Working Hard. With the episodes The Emissary, Civil Defense, Starship Down, One Little Ship, followed by the section Hardly Working with Destiny (laughs) and Trials and Tribulations. Next is Miles of All Trades with Treachery, Faith, and the Great River, Business as Usual, and The Forsaken. And then we're ending it off strong with Engineering versus Feeling with Get Ready, (laughs) Empok Noor, The Assignment hard time the ship and what you leave behind so 
really what I'm seeing, especially with this last category, is that we've got one someone being possessed, O'Brien being depressed, O'Brien being stressed, and certainly not it, blessed. It's <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm seeing here. Like, <laughs> we did a doozy for this last one. <laughs> He's all the est except blessed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that should be a category title. <laughs> it really should. I mean, that, that's what it should be instead of uh... engineering versus feeling. Yeah. yeah, it's a much better title. Oh. Wow. Okay, Rihanna. So once again, this is supposed to be my series, <laughs> but I I slack sometimes and my no. DS9 knowledge is not as great as Rihanna's. And so thank God I have her on the podcast to like fill these watch lists with such amazing episodes so you want to talk a little bit about your process while you made the list yeah well first of all we never really established that just because it's your series you have to like solely make the watch list you know this is a co- collaborative pod so it's really, true it's but all it, good. like we've really followed <laughs> we <have laughs> a pattern yeah it's where true. if it's your series you do the watch list yeah so but usually like- <laughs> because if it's our series like we're know, so some, excited like, something special we can bring or really excited to it yeah. yeah but sometimes i'm the same way with tng i'm like girly what like when does picard do that thing like you know, so <laughs> i have a total timeline memorized yeah, and yeah. voyager you're starting to like kick ass about <laughs> i'm just very impressed thank um, you thank you and well so, yeah so how did um, you pick up my slack on in this episode well okay here's the thing so i've been watching so much deep space nine recently that like when ashlyn announced the engineering series i, I was like had just watched hmm, like sorry I'm thinking I think I had just watched like business as usual or something so it's like okay nice like if we're gonna be talking about O'Brien this is great and so kind of in the back of my mind whenever I go to watch a Deep Space Nine episode for pleasure which is a lot <laughs> of the time um, I end up like mentally making a note of like this would be really good for the engineering series or like thinking about my future series like ooh, which ones would fit here and there it's always kind of a game I play in my head because if I'm not taking notes on Star Trek, my brain has to be doing something. So I'm like, let's categorize how these could be really good episodes for different series. I think it's just like, again, important though, because we have such specific series to follow really what is true about engineering more than what's true about O'Brien, you know, and and O'Brien is just the role of the engineer. And so we have to also make sure we're fulfilling the role of other engineers as well. Like, we're going to be talking about Cisco and about Rom because they're so essential, you know, to this discussion. And I think like, like it, it's like if we're doing Voyager, we're, we're going to have to talk about Jadeway, which is never a problem for us. Because I have to compare, you know, how we're doing throughout the engineering series, like in terms of compared to Scotty and especially the Forge, I think Miles's episodes that are like mostly about him, he has a lot of one-offs. Yes. But in most of them, he is doing something engineering. Sometimes he's like True. working for Section 31, which is very <laughs> sketchy. Oh, um, but for the most part, I really thought these episodes were really intertwined with whatever he was doing at his job at the same time. Yeah. Um, and Miles is so useful in so many different situations that he just he could just do engineering anywhere and help everyone. So 
I noticed that difference between like thinking about what episodes did we not include that are really O'Brien heavy. We didn't leave that many behind. No, honestly, it was really, we didn't even leave what you leave behind. So. I, I knew the joke's coming to my eye. Just was like, well, <laughs> you just saw you like disassociate. We'll move on. <laughs> You're like, she's gonna say it. Well, it's because I was gonna say it. But she's I was gonna like, make a joke. I, I have some taste, so I'm gonna hold back. <laughs> wow. Well, look, Eunice and I are gonna be out here chilling. Well, me and Khan will be <laughs> sipping our wine and, and laughing at you and maroon. <laughs> touche (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah it's just so fun to make a watch list that's so specific it like really scratches that part of my brain that I love I'm like yes okay let's talk about only the times that O'Brien is like really doing something significant and I hate to say that because he does a lot of significant things even in episodes that we missed (laughs) Uh in this watch list but it's like that was really more intertwined with like him personally so the section 31 episodes or the like Bill B ones. Bill B, right? No. Bill, yeah, Bill, I can't remember Billy. that dude's name. <laughs> Bell B. Um, Bell B. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just like fun to capture his truly like amazing engineering feats and all these different circumstances when sometimes he's really put under a lot of pressure, like we've seen with Scotty and Jordy already, um, in a whole different way with this space station. So Oh, absolutely. But even before we jump into O'Brien, we have to talk about engineers who are also on Deep Space Nine who have created or become or like stepped into the role. So first, we're going to be talking about Cisco and Explorers, because truly in a, in a, truly in a Deep Space Nine engineering watch list, you can't leave out Explorers because it's such an incredible feat of engineering that Cisco does. So um, to very briefly break down the plot, Cisco finds the blueprints of a he follows the blueprints as our section says of an ancient Bajoran sailing vessel that pretty much uses solar sails to and it made it all the way to it supposedly to Cardassia and past the Denorius belt so this crazy and, and this this ship was set sail like way before us humans were or like way before us humans were even setting sail on the ocean or like right around that time so Cisco's like I'm gonna remake it and he does and he goes with Jake and uh there it turns out the, the there's a little tachyon field that, that lets them soar into warp and they make it to Cardassia wait it's to, the it's the tachyon eddy right oh, the field the, yeah the eddy yeah, thank you tachyon yeah. eddy yeah I love a good eddy mm-hmm. <laughs> They soar right to Cardassia with a um, very chagrined. <laughs> He's <golden cotton>. annoyed. <laughs> so pissed off. Yeah. Um, love to see it. So, Ashlyn, how do you feel about Explorers? Let's talk about Cisco's badassery in this one. Oh my gosh. We love a hyperfixation girly out yes. here. <laughs> it is so awesome to see Cisco build this ship. <laughs> Yes, it's really incredible. Yeah, he like he's seized with this passion. And I was telling Rihanna, because we actually got to watch this episode together today. Today, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it's very fresh. But I was telling Rihanna, it's um like this type of plot is such a season three plot. Yes. Like it could never happen in like season six when the Gemadar are like firing. <laughs> when the Gemadar are like firing at you. And you're yeah. like, oh, I just sail into Cardassia. <laughs> 
sail into enemy territory. <laughs> yeah, everything's good. The eddy will keep us safe. Like it no. will not be fireworks <laughs> at the end of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll have another, uh, another ship that explosive. they found on Cardassia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God Almighty. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that that cracked me up, but. Yeah, I think what's especially cool, so like Cisco's got the passion, the drive, the excitement, he wants to have fun. And then he's so totally committed to the process that he uses the tools that they would have used to build yes. these ships. And so it's a rare glimpse into we like we see Cisco like down there, he's getting dirty, he's welding, he's doing all kinds of stuff, and and he's put in hours and hours and hours and by the end like the result is beautiful this ship that he's remade oh my gosh i admire that so much that drive to say this is what the bajorans had so therefore this is what i'm going to use and to really it's really like an honoring of the bajoran culture too which is really cool to see especially season three when again like he hasn't even gone to war for them yet you know like this already shows Cisco's deep devotion to his work and to his people that serve under him and that he is protecting pretty much pseudo by being a presence on the station right after the occupation I mean it was very clear Starfleet put him there for a reason so I think Cisco doing this by hand is very intentional and it's really interesting though how O'Brien is like interrupting Cisco with his disbelief and sort of kept saying like no that's not going to work i looked at the specs very disbelieving and kira calls him out and is like you sound like a cardassian <laughs> like they don't believe that we made this flight to um or that the ancient bajorans made this flight to cardassia either so it's really interesting because we have two different sides of engineers you know we have the one who is like why would i ever use old tools when i have new ones it's kind of like why would I ever rely on old engineering things when there's like new technology that makes my life easier and also up to standard? And then there's Cisco who is like using those old tools makes it feel more authentic. And he says, quote, because it's fun, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I just love that there's these two different styles of engineers and it works well in different situations for both. Like, I think O'Brien would go kind of crazy if he tried to build this sailing ship, you know? Yeah, you know, something I'm also thinking about is that O'Brien, like in his free time, he does not do engineering in his free time. No, good point. And I'm thinking about someone like Balana sometimes does engineering in her free time, like when she's helping Tom modify something. Yes. Um, we have Scotty is probably doing engineering. Jordy and very, Data. Yeah, no, literally. Constantly yeah, they're projects. just like nonstop doing projects. Yeah. <laughs> or in front of the warp core. You and Jordy is the type of person that like completely rebuilt Enterprise D. I forget that. In Picard. Like, he entirely he... put it together. Oh you my know? God, I can't wait and, to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. And so I just like O'Brien is not that way. You know what no. I mean? Like he would never in his free time like build a ship from scratch or whatever yes. um and so i think that's also part of it is like cisco has that tendency he's like oh when i'm off duty i go ham let's yes. go but miles is like when i'm off duty i need to sleep i need to play yes. darts i need to like hang out with my family you know he's got yes. other priorities yeah exactly and like especially because even when he's off duty he's like i got a daughter to go to and jake is a lot older you know and especially when kiryoshi comes along like he's got babies at home basically and jake is 
you know, well into his teens by the time we even see him first. I think he's like 16 or 15. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. I love seeing them, their dynamic, but I'm also like, it's so different than what we're used to seeing. You know, it's kind of almost a flip of like expectations, you know, like usually it is the engineer going crazy on this project and the captain being like, all right, like, I don't think this is going to work, but mm-hmm. <laughs> trust you Have to do fun. your thing. Yeah. 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 So really fascinating how they flip this. And it's so fun to see Cisco so lit up like this. Even Dax mentions, she's like, wow, you are like, I haven't seen you like this since you were building Jake's nursery, you know? And it's just, there's some really great, there's some really great moments that come from being imp- like very passionate about this project, you know, for both him, Jet, for Jadzia and for Jake. Sweet. Yeah. Jake. Rihanna, so thank you for bringing up these scenes. I think especially when Dax and Cisco are talking, that is one of my favorite scenes because she, yeah, she does bring up the nursery that he just like went insane over trying to prepare for. And he yeah. did like stars on the ceiling and Jake, when they moved, he didn't understand why the ceiling couldn't come with them. Just like so sweet and so good. I just I love it. We love to see Cisco healing, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what great writing by human writers! <laughs> like, thank who, you, Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> who need to get paid a fair wage? Like, yeah. wow, what an incredible wow. story, and what a great way to weave this in to the plot and to him, sort of like in a way, lovingly crafting this ship that potentially him and Jake can go and sail on together and. And little does he know, it's kind of like a last hurrah before he Jake is truly going to be pulling away more. He's really on the cusp of pulling away right now. And not in a bad way, even. It's just like they're, Jake's growing up. And Cisco even said, this is around the time where I went off to Starfleet. So mm-hmm. Jake's choosing his own path soon. And so it's like really cool that this project for him also sort of symbolizes that. As well as, you know, like honoring the Bajorans and making like showing that the their old ancient history was correct you know like you know just on the side that's his side quest for sure <laughs> oh absolutely yeah one I, I love too that Cisco isn't like whether he's going to do the ship or not does not rely on if Jake is coming with him or not like he yeah. still made the ship even when Jake wasn't coming he was sad True. he was like whatever so I just it shows like what a healthy relationship they have that he's not like holding that against Jake or anything he's like you know I'm just gonna do my thing and if he joins he joins you know Mm -hmm. yeah this was this was a great one thank you for choosing it Rihanna yeah I love it I love to see it love to see Cisco like you said getting his hands dirty a little making this entire thing like with these old tools such an impressive feat and amazing that you know, they have to like hand wheel all of the um, sails and everything from the inside. And even when a sail comes like breaks and they have to set it loose, they're still able to compensate for it. He's just like, well, he, he does make a good engineer, you know, just very cool in the face of danger, which is, you know, what captains have to be as well. So I think engineers and captains do tend to have that in common for sure, like being under such pressure. I mean, Rihanna, he was just following the, br- the blueprints, so. Yeah, exactly. Well said, Ashlyn. Um, okay, we're going to take a little bit, not quite a left turn, but maybe like a like a six degree turn um, <laughs> to Rom and talk about his engineering path yeah. in starting in Bar Association. 
Yes, Ashley, you want to give a, a you want to give an engineering summary of our <laughs> engineering. Well, <laughs> the, the skip, to the, <laughs> skip to the last five minutes of the episode. Also, where unions are good though. Definitely, Rom, where where Rom has successfully negotiated higher wages, sick leave, Ooh. like basic benefits for everyone who works at Quark's Bar. Um, he fought the FCC along the way. He never gave up. He poured his heart and soul into this cause. And at the end, he says, F you, Quark, I'm moving out. So <laughs> he gets a job as a diagnostic and repair technician, junior grade, night shift. Night shift. <laughs> yeah, um, this is such an important episode. Like, do, don't do what we did. Watch the whole episode over. Oh my um, don't yeah. just skip to the end. But uh, this is such a timely episode for everything that's going on with the, the strike right now. So mm-hmm. just a reminder that you should go watch it. Agreed. Yeah, it's so, so well done. And I love that this is the start of Rom's path, you know, into saying, like through this union he created and realizing that he deserves more than a boss who gives him not enough credit time or like expectations that he's you know Ferengi and that he has needs over just like making money working at the bar so that's amazing because engineering for him just comes naturally it seems you know he's very quick at what he does he's efficient um he's also just like so smart that he just comes up with these amazing ideas like should we talk about call to arms yes let's go like the self-replicating minds in call to arms literally the end of season five so we all know <laughs> what that means <laughs> um, that the wormhole is getting mined and that's what i think of when yeah. I- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone's evacuating ds9 or at least the bajorans are there's a non-aggression pact between the bajorans and the dominion so bajorans are leaving the station rom is getting married <laughs> this, <episode. laughs> this man's um, getting married <laughs> this man is getting married to lita um and they pretty much just have to do a, a quick wedding on the station before lita evacuates and rom stays so anyway before all this crazy stuff happens rom essentially freaking out about his wedding (laughs) his coming wedding um is trying to get all the details ready and realizing i didn't get quarters for lita but in the meantime they're having this briefing about how to make mines for the wormhole so very important briefing and um then he just comes up with it you know he's talking about the wedding and then he's like self-replicating mines (laughs) okay can i i I just have a couple quick questions about this so it's judzia and bashir trying to okay okay i was like (laughs) okay um so it's judzia and o'brien talking for most of the scene trying to figure out like what to do about the mines and he's offering suggestions and she's saying like no we need what we would need like a ton of like little mines in order to even destroy one ship so it's them and then rom is there my question is like why are they bouncing this question off of other people you know what i mean like where's o'brien's team (laughs) i do wonder this about the briefings like i know it's like logistically for the story like cluttered to have a lot of rando extras you (laughs) know what do you mean cluttered (laughs) rihanna (laughs) Um, which i would love to see because it would be more realistic but i think for this for the sake of this they also want to keep a lot of it a secret or a lot of o'brien's workers are bajoran you know so 
I don't know. I could kind of get away. I think we can get away with it because they're probably the, they're probably the three brightest engineering minds on the station. And so if they're not going to figure it out, a bunch of <laughs> other Starfleet engineers are probably not going to. I don't know though. I think manpower, I think brain power, like the more the better. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I I agree with you. I think it's kind of hilarious. Well, and you make a great point. And this is, you know, towards the end of the series and O'Brien fully recognizes how much he respects Nog and his engineering oh. prowess. No, <laughs> not respect Nog's engineering prowess. He does actually. Rom, his respect for Rom and his engineering prowess. So yeah, so that's great. Yeah. But, and thank God, cause he, like his idea is what like they use. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think um the fact too, that this is, past when rom is off the night shift and he's like a regular day shift engineer who has helped o'brien in a tight spot and that's why he got promoted which we're going to talk about in the assignment um and i think it's just amazing that even you know and then after this rom is continuing to show his loyalty by risking his life to stay on the station to do the engineering things that he's going to need to do in season six and we're not going to be talking about this so just a brief shout out to rom in general because yep. He, he was like gonna be executed because he got imprisoned by the dominion on deep space nine in season six you know so there's that whole arc where rom is literally like their linchpin and it's all because odo is fucking someone else <laughs> sorry the, the emotions like really come out when we talk about this section of deep space nine that's why i'm brushing over it literally rom was like the the whole reason that they we're going to succeed you know and of course it was a group effort absolutely but it's really amazing how much everyone once rom realized his potential he can just keep going up you know like he's just what a mind i love him (laughs) yeah it happens all the time (laughs) exactly um okay god bless rom and not goodbye to rom he will he will show back up in some of these episodes so definitely um let's go back now let's actually start o'brien's journey and we're only going to spend one two three four more sections talking about o'brien so (laughs) don't worry let's go in (laughs) let's do it let's start where it all began yes let's go back to emissary and this of course is the pilot of deep space nine and it has the proper send-off from O'Brien leaving TNG, <laughs> leaving oh, the Enterprise, yes. stepping onto D Space Nine in his new role as Chief of Operations. Ashla, did you feel emotional seeing this send-off for O'Brien? Um, yes, I sure yeah. did. Yeah. Same. I thought the transporter room, uh, especially when uh, the transporter room scene when Picard beams him off uh, the Enterprise is such a great ode you know it's like speaking engineering language to each other like that's truly a love lovely send-off that's like akin to doing the like everyone stand in the hallway and do the whistle you know <laughs> like yeah well I also thought because yeah let's just go into it like when Picard first comes to like when he first walks on the set when, or when he's the first on screen he asked the transporter person to leave and so for me I saw that as a sign like oh he's gonna be emotional he doesn't want like other people to see and Picard's version of emotion is just saying like you know I called your name down like the other day without even thinking when I was trying to get like the transporter chief and O'Brien's like oh that that part gets me you know like the impact a person can make even if you don't like see their face every day you know like O'Brien is truly (laughs) 
doing a lot picking people up with that transporter bay yeah also I felt like a freaking genius because of our I was like so prepped from our engineering series when Picard says this is your favorite transporter room isn't it and I was like transporter room three and then O'Brien's like transporter room three sir yes (laughs) oh my god so I felt like so smart (laughs) yes that's like a rocky horror call out how much transporter room transporter room <laughs> <laughs> nice. I just feel like they were always in transporter room three and holodeck three yeah. they loved it oh man threes everywhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway yeah I thought it was a really lovely goodbye and you know Picard has a kind of a weird part in this pilot but yeah it's like a strange <laughs> what sorry I just side-eyed my locutus action figure <laughs> that's the proper time to sign high. yes yeah Cisco does not like Picard in the beginning but um but you know regardless I thought that scene with him and Miles was great so O'Brien leaves the ship like when they're going at full thrusters this is at like year eight of the Enterprise anyway but uh this was my second place favorite Technobabble moment because uh-huh. we open the whole show with O'Brien and Cisco walking around and it's a mess. Like mm-hmm. the Deep Space Nine has been ransacked. Some Bajorans were killed trying to protect their shops for, by Cardassians. So there's bodies everywhere. And Cisco's like, what is going on? Why hasn't this been cleaned up? <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, like yeah. what's happening? And O'Brien's like, well, we've been working really hard, sir. Yeah. But like it, they really, they really mess it up. My favorite line, though, is when he says, I, <laughs> he says, I still can't find an ODN access port anywhere. And I've never, <laughs> I've never heard of this. They talk about um, it all the time. ODN access. <laughs> like, do they even? I like, I yeah, thought I've this heard was like, O'Brien said a lot. Oh, he says a lot. Okay. Well, yeah. I was shaking. I was like, what the hell? I have <laughs> no idea what it means. I don't think I'll ever know. Let's be real. I don't know, but I, I yeah. loved it. Yeah. It's so good. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um. Yeah, Brian mentions a Cisco. He says all personnel are assigned to every primary system. The Cardassians took everything of value. So I think like literally, it's crazy to see this opening. O'Brien's leaving the ship, le- or leaving the Enterprise, where he mostly just like hung out in a transporter bay and then went to engineering, did some stuff, to like basically running this entire ship's um engineering section or this entire station's engineering and you know assigning personnel they've been working around the clock and he's just immediately diving in with like a lot of grace you know we can assume that he says when they see the quarters that like my wife Keiko nearly passed out when she saw hers or something like that you know or it's clear that his family's like already settling or already trying to settle in and he's just gotten to work already and so that shows his commitment to his duty and just like how much repair this needs the fact that the Cardassians took everything like that's going to take so long for him to learn the system, let alone get the parts he needs to repair the system. Like it's just talk about someone who's got his work cut out for him. And it's just like, okay, let's go. Yeah. This is so chaotic. Like what a crazy way to start a job. You just yeah. like show up and you're like, oh my God, it's my job it's to a fix disaster. all this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a nightmare. Uh, a couple of key things start happening in this episode. One of like a wonderful part is when we see O'Brien talking to the computer 
And he is just like, it does not like me because the Cardassians have all of these fail saves um, in their system, like embedded in their system. So when O'Brien is trying to like freaking move the station, because obviously like the wormhole appears and then Dax has her crazy idea on how to make the station lighter and move it closer to the wormhole uh, to stake a claim on it, which Kira suggested. Look at these ladies out here. Incredible. Um, women of STEM and terrorism, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> so resistance women. I love to see. Yes. That. We love them. So O'Brien, he's like trying to get this done and he needs to transfer some power, but the computer said it breaks a level one safety protocol. And then O'Brien like can't override that. And he has, so I'm like, why can't he override it? Isn't he chief? So he also, he later goes on to say that like he wants to at some point rebuild the entire computer. So it doesn't have like these types of issues going on, which I think is crazy. Like that's an insane task. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's so necessary for him. We can talk about that in the Forsaken, but yeah, it's crazy because the Cardassians literally took everything. I think like Ryan has literally so much work to do coming into this and we can see that he's ready for it, but I would, I would literally collapse. Like yeah. not knowing a whole new system, knowing that it's not up to Starfleet standard and they're not going to get replacements for this stuff. Like he has to work with what he has, you know, but in a way I think it's exciting for him that he has this much work to do. It's kind of Bashir's attitude of like, I'm going to be out here doing all of this work that's going to like literally, I mean, kind of an engineer's dream is to like repair this from scratch, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And before we move on, I do think it's also important to set up another aspect besides O'Brien talking to the computer nonstop. Mm-hmm. Fact that he is a war hero. So this like we have to bring it up just because it pertains to some engineering shenanigans he gets into, totally. but in case you didn't know, O'Brien is the hero of Setlick 3, which this like blew my mind. But this episode, I think it's it's first brought up in a TNG episode. The Wounded. So Rihanna, will you lay it down about what happened on Setlick 3? Yeah. So when O'Brien was on the USS Rutledge, he was under command of Captain Maxwell. Essentially, they found out that the Cardassians were essentially planning to attack an outpost on a ground assault. And so they were pretty much dispatched the um rutledge was dispatched to see if they could like help well the they, yeah colonists. they were the first one there after the first responders call. Yeah, yeah damn so it was essentially a massacre given to its name so o'brien pretty much helped save the last of the colonists who were surviving after the massacre that's how he sort of became the hero of set like three and of course he had to kill a bunch of cardassians to do it he sort of carried that around his hatred for Cardassians, but not as much as Captain Maxwell, who in the wounded in TNG carries a huge grudge for their for the Cardassians and thinks that they're mounting another attack on the Federation. So it's a really interesting episode. Go ahead and I think rewatch it again if you have time because it's wonderful. Oh yeah. It, another important thing about what he did on Set Like Three was he used a field transporter for the first time. Like crazy. Yeah, so that's cool. So it's important to bring this up because obviously he's stationed on a former Cardassian station. He's Mm going to be surrounded by Cardassians this whole time. 
And he has this really like traumatic thing that happened to him with the Cardassian. So I think it adds a like really interesting perspective on the character of O'Brien that now throw him into a situation he could potentially be very uncomfortable with. I thought it was a great callback to it because in this episode, Bashir says, he's like, I can't believe the Cardassians would bomb like an unarmed ship like just, you know, doing its thing. And O'Brien's like, haven't like, don't you know your history? Don't you know the what happened at set like three? And O'Brien doesn't say like he was there or anything, but he's he's saying like you should know the Cardassians better than that, essentially. And I think it helps Kira and him to bond, you know, a little bit and to understand each other because of course Kira has a similar attitude towards yeah. Cardassians, a mistrust and uh understanding of what they'll do. And so yeah i think also it's so it is ironic and i love that you bring that up about set like three because o'brien is directly working with cardassian technology so that's even crazier because now he has to like sort of be in the bowels of this station all the time with cardassian technology including should we go on yeah including a time when he literally with jake triggers a sequence of events that has been like hidden in the programming when they're deleting files it comes up and yes this is right this is gold ducat appears and it's he says attention bajoran workers this is civil defense oh so (laughs) good attention bajoran workers (laughs) (laughs) you have three minutes to surrender yeah his voice i get so tired of it just like cisco in this episode yeah cisco's line is like i didn't think he could his voice could would annoy me this much or something like that Yeah, like more than it already does or something yeah so i'm i'm just amazed you know to see that o'brien is really working against this cardassian technology and trying to of course make it better and make it into an efficient like federation station (laughs) but it can't really be as possible as he wants it to be especially when programs like this are triggered yeah, it, it, this episode is so good because so good. it has so much suspense and there's a sense of a ticking clock, even though there isn't one counting down until the self-destruct is activated at the end. Yeah, um, well, and when the gas is going to be released. No, and the gas. minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. And I love to see O'Brien and Dax are really like, getting out of every puzzle that the computer is throwing at them, but it's just causing like worse Wait, and worse. Dax? Is it not Dax? I thought <laughs> there was like- This is trapped with Cisco's. Wait, no, but um, isn't Dax working on the other end? Yeah, she's trying- Like they're, they're both doing engineering stuff yeah. from oh, different yeah, locations. Sure. Yes. So it's interesting to see like they keep like they're- overriding whatever the computer is doing over and over until the computer's like uh you know you're yeah they're about to win so we have to kill you all essentially so yeah yeah i think it is interesting ashlyn you bring up dax because yeah you're right she was on she was an ops and like working and in pretty much the little ops like alco for engineering essentially like she got burnt by yes. this like force field that appeared while she was trying to work on it so it showed how many countermeasures had been put in place everywhere on the station when this subprocessor was detected and the like when jake was deleting files in the computer so i want to talk about jake and o'brien for a second because this is kind of an interesting like chain i see in throughout deep space nine especially we have these early on episodes like season three but also all the way into hard time in season four right four 
yeah in season four so i think it's really interesting that essentially before cisco knows that jake doesn't want to go to starfleet he's like hey have o'brien teach you about stuff in engineering you know and give him a hand help him around and this the thing is that o'brien is such a great guy to work with you know most of the time i think that people and engineers feel really comfortable around him and i want to just sorry back up a little to talk about the emissary again just to say that like he was working with the bajorans on the bajoran engineers right away starting in the station calling them by their first name really like just giving them tasks trusting them to get it done and doing that for all the workers you know and i've noticed that as a thread throughout and it includes jake i think that he's so helpful or he he makes jake feel helpful he he shows him different ways to do stuff they're like working together they're working so hard in this episode that cisco is like you guys need to eat like you guys gonna be ready for dinner um and they both hadn't realized how much time had passed you know they lost track of time and even jake seems like oh i've just he's like we're almost done here dad so might as well finish kind of thing um so i just really like that we see them kind of bonding for this way of Jake trying to learn engineering stuff. And it's really tough for him at first. I think we didn't bring up this episode, but there is one where Jake's like, I don't understand this stuff. Like there's so many different items and tools. Like you said, Ashley, so many more tools brought up in this one. Um, So it's really cool to see kind of a little, a little duo they make. Yeah, this is a great point. Thank you, Rihanna. And they had like this like this connection that they have and all the time they spend together really keeps going like or this is this is the um the root of how their relationship is like they start building it when he miles is taking time out to help jake so yeah it's yeah it's lovely um i think let's go to starship down yes let's do it working real hard (laughs) he's working so hard in all these episodes um so starship down another wonderful episode i kind of want to call it disaster part two (laughs) yes Um, there's actually a moment in the episode where because there's been a disaster on the ship because they're being attacked by jemhadar ships and essentially all communications are cut off turbo lifts are down that kind of stuff the ship's in a bad way a lot of people are injured and so o'brien is trapped in engineering with his engineers and then Worf comes down like he just climbs his way on down <laughs> um, but they're cut off with all communication from the bridge and o'brien literally at one point says i don't think there's anyone left alive up there and that's like <laughs> verbatim what Rose said in disaster like you have to assume that no one's alive in the saucer section you know so, <laughs> like god damn y'all they are they're just practical telling it like it is trying to get the job done we're gonna just just keep working through engineering and try to make this happen yeah i i noted that too i was like okay yes disaster part two well it's fun being on the defiant first of mm-hmm. all um o'brien gets to work in so many different engineering settings you know he is the defiant to deal with as well but it's interesting to see the shift when Worf comes down to engineering because O'Brien, throughout all these episodes, he has a really good leadership style because he is friendly with everyone, as you said. He makes you feel at ease. He's not condescending. There's no ego. 
he, he's very humble, I guess, you know, he's like, I'm just like you, I'm working hard. I'm not, no yeah. one special. And so I, but he, he has really high expectations at the same time. And he knows his people really well. So he's all these, yes. all these things going for him that make his team run really smoothly. Yeah. And so when Worf is there, there's a lot of tension because Worf has all, he's like crazy expectations. Like not only are they high, but they're just like to Worf's preferences, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think it's like it's anything extremely standard he's asking for. So there's just like a weird dynamic at play. And so I love when O'Brien takes Worf aside and he's like, I think, do you remember exactly what he says? I just said O'Brien tells Worf to calm down. He thinks that Worf is writing them too hard. Yeah. He says, quote, they haven't been to Starfleet Academy. They're engineers. They're used to being given a problem to solve and then going out and figuring out how to do it. Yeah. Which, which I think is great, you know, so Mm -hmm. he knows who he's working with. Yeah, absolutely. So I I do love seeing O'Brien pull him aside. I think it's such a well it's such a well done way of dealing with this, you know, because he understands his engineers, he knows to trust them. I think contrary to Jordy and Scotty, O'Brien literally has to rely on his engineers to get everything done. They also know more about Cardassian systems than he does. He trusts them to like they've been working on the station since before he got there, you know, and so and then of course the engineers who have come aboard the defiant and who are like in starfleet who didn't you know even though they didn't go to the academy they're still like starfleet officers commissioned to do all this engineering stuff especially and i think it's just great that they have this rapport and that really it's kind of adorable because all throughout the episode munez and stevens especially these two engineers continue to look at o'brien like lost puppy dogs when when wharf is like mean to them you know because Worf is like, this report needs to be much more detailed or like just as he's like yelling about a lot of menial stuff or Munez reconfigured a lot of the, uh, wrote it down. He configured the helm controls and Worf said they're not laid out properly. And Munez is trying to explain that they do things differently in engineering than they do on the bridge because probably, you know, he wants more of a shortcut and it's like easier to do what Brian does all the time, like reconfigure stuff, you know? And so Worf is like, I need you to make it reconfigure it again so that I can look at it at a glance and know exactly what I'm looking at. And I'm like, just because you don't know everything about engineering, like this shorthand basically they're using and these shortcuts doesn't mean that like they have to cater to you. And so they do look at O'Brien and he just nods. He's like, yeah, you got to listen to him, you know, go do your thing. It's just, it's wonderful that then they have this conversation and then to see the sort of fruits of it that Worf starts to trust them and he is truly like starting to talk more with them and just help them brainstorm and actually get their opinion and so when Munez and Stevens figure out that they can use the deflector ray to like stop the dominion ships or whatever he just trusts them and listens and lets them do their job exactly like O'Brien said so it's so well it's so great to see this well-oiled well-oiled machine and how quickly Worf can adapt you know to these situations and understand that a lighter touch is needed here what a great like he's just so dynamic i love that about o'brien and Worf. yeah absolutely the end scene in this episode is great because one of the engineers comes up to Worf and basically is giving an update about the repairs on the defiant he says i was thinking i would start at this first and work on this section and then maybe after that i do that and then Worf just stops him and is like you can do it at your discretion i trust you to do that and then he pauses and he's like how long will it take 
And the guy says tw- uh, 16 hours. And then O'Brien, he just chimes in and he says, oh, I think you can do it in 12. Just that's it. And then the kid's like, yep, no problem. Yep. And then <laughs> O'Brien turns to Worf and says, you can give them a little slack, but you can't take your hands off the reins. And I, yes. I just, I love that. You know, O'Brien's like, hey, get it done quickly. You know, yes, if he's, he's giving like, you I know that way, buffer time. Yeah, yeah, he knows the buffer time. He's very <laughs> anti-buffer time, I think O'Brien is. He's very, he's a realist. I think so. And because Cisco has kind of trained him to be, Cisco <laughs> asks the most outrageous things in this episode, even, but it's, it gets worse with treachery, faith in the great river. But O'Brien literally says, like, it'll take an hour, sir. And he's like, you've got 10 minutes or something. No, it was and, 20. And he said, okay, 10. Good. okay well, yeah. still, he still cut it in half. And um, O'Brien just rolls his eyes and smiles. Like, he's like, I know Picard. I've heard Jordy complain <laughs> about this. I was, I know about Captain Maxwell, you know, on the Rutledge or whatever. So it really, yeah, it, it's just so funny that, sh- that immediately O'Brien is like, I'm used to this. I know that if I give him buffer time, he's going to, like, cut it, like, <laughs> five times in half, and I'm just going to be screwed. So, yeah. yeah, it's hilarious. Oh, yeah, I love it. Let's go on to another ship title, but not the last, <laughs> Not it's two of three. Now it's time for One Little Ship. Oh, my <laughs> love of my life. <laughs> oh, this is a, a time where I think an exception of, to the rule where... They couldn't have done this in season six because they totally did you know <laughs> it seems like a season three plot at the front of it because it's just them growing a ti- going tiny to- it's a very elmering plot i think yeah to put in season six agreed but in the most respectful way i say that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it interweaves the gem hadar so it's like a perfect mix of everything but I just have to say, because we talked about the Terratin incident from TAS last week, that I love that we have this random subplot of everyone going tiny. <laughs> and, like, the ship is literally so small. It's probably, like, the size of the palm of your hand. You could probably hold the little shuttle in. The, and then, of course, War, or of course, Judzia, Julian, and O'Brien are made very tiny. And I think that if Kira heard that the entire crew of the Enterprise got tiny in the Terratin incident, like, she would, like, crack up so hard because she, she was laugh. laughing just, like, hearing about how small her crewmates were going to get. So good. Yeah, anyway, that's a little side thing. But O'Brien does great in this episode, frankly. Like, I... I'm more enamored by Dax whenever she's on screen and especially with her piloting skills and stuff, especially in this episode. It's so impressive to watch her just maneuver the tiny shuttle and the Defiant um, taking back the ship. But O'Brien and Julian have to literally go into this like crazy panel essentially and (laughs) reconfigure some things. But O'Brien can't really picture it because he pictures it with like his normal proportions not when he's standing inside of what he's usually working on with his hands you know and so I love the encouragement that Bashir gives him and that they just sort of are able to help each other in this moment to help O'Brien get his engineering smarts you know back on track 
just like this was the first episode that I thought of when I think about great engineering episodes of Deep Space Nine, because that scene of O'Brien and Bashir being shrunk and walking around in the circuitry is such a great visual. It's so much fun. And yeah, it's just such a delightful episode. And it really goes in the details. And so (laughs) I want to just read a couple of these lines out. Please. (laughs) Yes. I want to talk about Technobabble a little bit. So please, O'Brien says, first of all, Dax has beamed a pocket of air into the circuitry. So that's cool. I thought that was awesome because like if they had left the Rubicon to go like jump on Cisco's head or something, (laughs) they would die because the molecules of air are too big for their little baby lungs (laughs) to handle. And so I thought it was great that Dax like beamed the air into the airtight circuitry. So anyway, yeah. Once they're in there, O'Brien says, we should see a cluster of heuristic subprocessors subprocessors next to a rectilinear expansion module. (laughs) (laughs) Like I had trouble reading that. It just props to Mr. Combe for absolutely crushing all of this technobabble over the years. He always crushes it. Like he does it flawless. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then uh, (laughs) Bashir nearly fries himself. (laughs) He's just like is about to take a seat on one of these things. O'Brien's like, no, don't sit there. There's like thousands of bolts going through that circuit, and he and Bashir stands up, and he's like, which would fry every every nerve in my tiny body. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so funny, yeah. But he is. He's like, close your eyes, Miles. Like you have to picture it, you know, and so. It's amazing because O'Brien literally says, I could do all this with my eyes closed, you know? So he tries it. Yeah. Sorry. I was laughing because I was looking ahead at my notes and my next line of notes is torpedo to the heart. (laughs) Because at the end, like once they figure this out, um, (laughs) the renegade, nope, the runabout. So I think like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. You're you're muted. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so ready to like I was on like a a meeting, a Zoom meeting. You're muted. You're muted. (laughs) You know, you do it all like white person smile. (laughs) Um, you're muted. Um, Or people go, I think you're muted. Oh, I think (laughs) you're mute. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyway. Anyway. Um at the very end, the Rubicon enters engineering and is actively firing on the Jem'Hadar to try to help everyone else who's trapped in engineering. And yeah. literally, one second before, we see Worf, like, snap a Jem'Hadar's neck. And yeah. then the next scene, we see Jadzia firing a torpedo into the heart <laughs> of a Jem'Hadar. And this is the most, like, murder couple vibes. <laughs> insane. I love them both so much. Anyway, yes. Kicking ass in any way they can frankly so good yeah thank you for bringing that up ashlyn i love this episode great feats of engineering all around o'brien knows the ship so well that he's able to help dax navigate it in the beginning he's like there should be a service hash coming up and like all this kind of stuff so that was really a joy to see yeah this is amazing i think it's also a good time to go to the hardly working section yes Um, (laughs) so let's talk about destiny rihanna Yes, so Ashlyn, to quickly break down Destiny, essentially these three Cardassian scientists are coming aboard to try to send a pulse through the wormhole with like a different variance, uh, essentially as a signal. And 
This makes one of the Bajorans suspicious because he's heard this prophecy about the three vipers will come and there'll be a sort of stars and then the wormhole will be destroyed forever or something. I obviously paraphrasing here, but O'Brien is tasked to work with one of the Cardassians to try to get the like right variants for the pulse or whatever. And so he is making modifications. Essentially, this Cardassian woman is like shocked by O'Brien's like work on the engineering and stuff and does not think that men will make good engineers in her experience. Yeah, you've got a little interesting dynamics at play. Something just engineering wise, I thought was interesting about this whole setup about the they're trying to send a signal through the wormhole. What they're testing is a soliton pulse to be used and if you remember a soliton wave was what the enterprise mm-hmm. rose what rode like a surfboard totally remember the surfboard <laughs> in the episode. surfboard episode of tng and so i was kind of hoping o'brien would make a little reference like oh we've continued to research uses of like what that energy is for because he was on the enterprise at that point when they were riding the wave and they were trying to go as fast as possible like without even having to use warp drive so it seems like soliton is an exciting new energy <laughs> everyone's yeah, all about wow all the scientists are all after it throughout the episode we see a lot of o'brien having these one-on-ones with is it gloria i think Galora, Ga- Galora galleria i don't know um <laughs> Galora and O'Brien have a lot of one-on-ones together throughout this episode. And at the very beginning, they're working at ops. And (laughs) she says, like, you got rid of something. Uh, And he's like, yeah, I had to do that to make way for like the Starfleet second backup, because that's like Mm -hmm. what the protocols are. And she's like flabbergasted that Starfleet requires to have a copy, like a backup of the backup. And O'Brien's like, I just want to be safe, you know, like I'm following protocols, this like, I wouldn't want to be caught without a backup to the backup. So I I love right, right away, you can see, like the difference in their opinions. Exactly. And O'Brien's trying to give advice and she's cutting him off and she's like, go get me a red leaf tea. (laughs) You know, he's like, fine, I'll just sit here and be quiet. Um, And yeah, I, I think it's so interesting that we see this Cardassian scientist who like is frustrated about the backups. And I'm like, yeah, Cardassian technology has all these crazy fail saves and all this like insane technology that is like protected by all of these other safeguards. So you think she'd be into the backup, but <laughs> I don't I guess not. And also to see her working alongside O'Brien and getting to see him as a very successful engineer and to see that like men can be good engineers in her eyes you know from him even if she mistakes his aggressiveness for flirting but you know that's just how it goes sometimes oh absolutely I actually kind of loved seeing her be a powerhouse though and kind of bossing O'Brien around and asking him to get tea I I don't know I like yeah I can see it I know it's because the Cardassian women have the privilege that they dominate this field and so mm-hmm. she's like she's very confident and I don't know I kind of love her <laughs> when she was yeah. bossing him around but I did also love the line when O'Brien is you know it comes it comes to a head because she like does not know what to do and he's like well I know the station better than anyone including you so if you give me a chance then I think I know what's going on um so he's and then he says if you want to get online hand me the laser torch and give me some room And I just, I think that's also just like a great way of saying it. It's not like, get out of my way. It's like, I'm ready to help. Just give me a little room and I can budge in there. 
Totally. I, I just love how he handles that situation. Oh, I love that too, because he's so cool about it. He doesn't blow up in her face, but he's also like, hey, you are mistaken here, and I'm going to show you that. So, great job standing up for himself. Um, <laughs> the flirting is so hilarious. Oh, I love the flirting. She totally thinks he's flirting, and so she flirts back, and then he's just flabbergasted. He's like, please, <laughs> no, I have a wife and children. <laughs> What is happening? Okay, I have a question because this seems to happen sometimes with O'Brien. What what's the riz? Like, do yeah. you see the appeal of O'Brien? Like, how does he get all of these no. people interested in him? I don't. I I never really <laughs> liked O'Brien as a family man, like as much. But I feel like him and Keiko go through very much similar stuff that, like, not go through. Like, obviously, sci-fi stuff is crazy, but like stuff within their marriage they have problems with or successes with like it's similar to a lot of marriages and reflects a lot of relationships but like i don't think i don't think i'd want to date o'brien he's not he's not really my type my vibe i'd have him on my team at work but yes i would not date him no yeah sorry all right cool i was just taking a survey (laughs) yeah because so many people feel the <laughs> the power of O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. I guess yeah, he he somehow has the riz. Yeah, I guess for so. Him, I guess. Also, uh, because I was in LA and my sister-in-law asked me what riz was. It's charisma. Uh, charisma. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Anyway. Um thank you for that. <laughs> yes. This is another episode that they that Jadzia proposes to use a bubble around because there's this comet that's approaching and so they're like oh how do we solve this problem well o'brien's gonna modify the deflector dish and i'm finding out that this is like the most common thing to do when you have something flying your way do something to do something to the deflector dish and that will make a difference and somehow it'll either you repolarize or depolarize or or like strengthen the the screen or something yeah yeah (laughs) or like send out a, a an electric charge from you built up energy like i've heard it all about the dish <laughs> it can do anything yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah. and so yeah so they're like modifying the deflector dish and then they're creating a warp bubble around the comet fragments <laughs> to kind of like steer it out of the way <laughs> so it doesn't Interesting. Hit. yeah and it works because freaking cisco and kira go in the shuttle and they're the ones to create the warp bubble so whoa like like crazy engineering like this is a great idea yeah wow it's it's interesting to watch (laughs) (laughs) i don't really understand what's going on i'm like nice yeah bud well and they failed right at the end of the episode like they the signal didn't end up working well, yeah, because there's a saboteur. Or, I mean, there's a member of the Obsidian Order. <laughs> yeah. Amongst the, yeah. Vi- the, amongst the women who they thought just, were the Vipers, but... Just wanted to drop that quick fact. Yeah, Any, you know, anyway, yeah. Normal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall we go back in time to the Enterprise A? I would like literally nothing better. Enterprise okay. A? Are you okay? Ooh. Are you sick? <laughs> I'm not well. You want to go back to the movie era Enterprise? Let's do it. <laughs> let's, let's go. Um, no. Would you like to go back to the Enterprise original? <laughs> exactly. What would come after the dash? <laughs> yeah, literally. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. In this episode, they are back in Troubles with Triples. We all know it. We love it. 
really this episode part that we want to focus on of course is o'brien's role which is to scan for devron devrin demlin it's on the tip of my tongue devar (laughs) devril anyway so they're trying to scan for the klingon who's like in hiding (laughs) you know unusual stuff and trying to sabotage kirk and so i love love that o'brien and bashir get caught like just looking at this little panel because o'brien is looking for a way to work the internal sensors so he can like figure out where this klingon went and says at one point i'm afraid to touch anything it's all cross-circuited and patched together i can't make heads or tails of it (laughs) yeah i love love that scotty all the way well and like we talked about this seems very scotty you know like just who he is is someone who's like I am so genius and like no one can keep up let's just like patch all this crazy stuff together and also like from O'Brien's perspective I mean this is a hundred years in the past and so yeah technology is so different and always ever-changing and I don't think you know obviously they had regulations that are like updated as far as like making starships and like what engineers like the proper solutions to how Mm -hmm. to solve these problems. I think Scotty was just making all of these up on the fly. And so it's not like there's regulations for what to do with these repairs. Like there is probably now with O'Brien where everything is really standardized. So such a great point. And O'Brien is standardized in his thinking, you know, (laughs) I have to keep up with regulations. Like we've talked about in many episodes. Yeah. He is on it. (laughs) Yeah. He's not messing around. Yeah. Which is great. That's what you want. I just adore that whole scene. And the engineering person who comes up is so wholesome in that scene. You know, he's like, Bashir, why do you have a medical tricorder? What's going on? (laughs) I love the workplace (laughs) study on stress. It's such a good way to get O'Brien out of this because he's really like up a creek. He doesn't know what to say. He's like, um, oh, you were sent down by Scotty to repair this, huh? Like, I don't know how that happened. And he's like, okay, sir, what do we do first? And O'Brien's just like, um, you know, first we got to take out this transceiver, transstator or something. And he takes it out and the whole corridor goes black. <laughs> he's like, we're going to leave it right where it is. <laughs> Iconic. And then that's when Bashir's like, okay, we need to eat you to sick bay. <laughs> like, you're too stressed. Yeah. Um, he tells him I to just, feel better too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love that engineer. And I love too that Bashir makes a comment when he talks about, I can't make heads or tails of Scotty's work. Bashir's like, that's what we say on the station about your stuff. So, you know, it is true. Like it runs in the engineering family. That oh, for sure. Brian takes a lot of shortcuts, like we discussed in Starship Down. Yeah. Also, I just love the little detail that the engineer said. Scotty told me to do this, and so that it, you know, it just tells you how close Scotty was, even though he didn't use. Clearly, he didn't use a single engineer on any of That's the, the missions. First one. Yeah, he just used one guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yes, everyone just runs up to him like, "Can I do this?" Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was great that you know you're on a first name basis with like someone who's so high ranking and yeah. Mm, Love. No, you don't have like Alana or Laura, whatever her name is on the, the like Bajoran woman who works on engineering a lot. She's mm-hmm. not like, hey, Miles, you know, <laughs> like it's just such a different rapport. And so it's really interesting to see that. But even so, O'Brien has such a close relationship with his engineers, his fellow engineers on ops in engineering in the bowels of the station, like anywhere, you know, he's got he's got pals on the Defiant too. So it's fun to watch for him, especially 
than to see him out of his element in the Enterprise and being like, oh my god, this is insane. I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> yes. Love. <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh, so good. Um, okay, I think it's time, speaking of Miles, for the yes. category Miles of All Trades. So we are about to see some cool skills with a Z <laughs> that O'Brien's going to demonstrate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, Rihanna, can you, can you please do this one? We are talking about Treachery Faith and the Great River. I would love to paddle aboard that river with you all. This is a episode. We're not going to talk about the Ojo and Wayun insanely <laughs> Very important intense plot. plot going <laughs> on on the other. End. Like yeah. an insanely important moment, key moment in Deep Space Nine. Um, instead, we're going to be talking about Nog trading some stuff. <laughs> so O'Brien has has three days. You heard me. Three days to figure out how to find a gravity stabilizer for the Defiant because it's fluctuating. O'Brien doesn't like his officer being sick. He doesn't like having no gravity, which he's established. Wait, did you say well. graviton stabilizer? Oh, graviton. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, wait, go ahead. I said gravity stabilizer. I'm not up with the kids with a Z, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so Cisco literally uh o'brien says this is going to take three weeks and cisco says well you have three days when i get back from bajor and again this is what i'm talking about cisco's like insane cut down of time if you give him a long time period he's gonna make it so short that you're just like i'm gonna pull a miracle out of my ass i guess he said oh you said weeks i said days (laughs) like let's go (laughs) exactly and so Cisco says that getting the new stabler, stabilizer is Chief's is Chief O'Brien's problem. You know, he's like, that's your problem, Chief. Figure it out. And so I love that throughout this all, O'Brien is going around fixing things. Quark's yelling at him because no one's going in the bar because they're repairing stuff all over the promenade. And then Cisco comes in and lectures him about having the Defiant ready by this time and does the whole three-day thing. And O'Brien is still repairing stuff as they're all talking to him, having more things for him to do. Nog, of course, is listening in to all of this and figures he's going to go paddling on the great material continuum. The river is very treacherous, but it's a trading river and he is able to trade all of these different things in order to get to the graviton stabilizer it's this like insane passing of items that dog is doing at one point the desk this episode is so mash coded like i love the it is. mash yeah and i feel like the whole desk being traded off kind of thing and, and of course this, the desk comes back it like it does not and like i think it's like it's season one episode of mash a very early episode where they just airlift the desk away yeah <laughs> henry blake's new desk like that is really hilarious that's similar but i'm also thinking about nog in general is just so radar in this episode like he is just knows how to work the system radar is always trading the most insane things like he was able to get tomato soup for, for colonel potter like he knows how to get the best books the best movies all that kind of stuff and nog does too because he knows the great material continuum that there is plenty of stuff that people need and plenty of things that people want and don't have and so you just got to trade it all up <laughs> it's actually kind of genius and not as capitalist as like Ferengi's think it is you know yeah absolutely well and the thing that adds the humor to it is that this was kind of a little side project that Nog was like I can do this and 
O'Brien's like, whatever, dude, <laughs> you know, if you can do this, good luck, have fun, because he has like the whole promenade is closed for repairs. And again, this yeah. opening scene astounds me because it's Nock and O'Brien are the only <laughs> ones working on the promenade. And it's well, a mess. Oh, there's a lot. They're just assigned to other places. But it's just like an empty hallway and the two of them like working and they're like carrying stuff over their shoulder. And it's like, there's tubes everywhere. It's a mess. And you would think like, in the most public areas, you would want to get that done faster with more people. I don't know. It made me laugh so hard. It was like, they're not going that fast, are they? O'Brien is like, just whatever, Nog. Nog asked for his authorization code and he like uses that to like deal with all these trades. And so O'Brien ends up getting roped into it because Odo's (laughs) like, um, who approved this crazy trade? Oh, it was you, O'Brien. We get some great shenanigans in here. And then I just want to bring up one last point is that this episode really showcases how incredibly overworked O'Brien is. And I think Mm. there's a general sense of that throughout Deep Space Nine. Like, O'Brien just always working and always running around. There's always something broken or that he's improving. Like, I I feel like he does... Clearly, he has some work-life balance, but it doesn't seem like it, really. Because after all this has happened, the very last scene, O'Brien goes in expecting no desk, but Cisco's desk is back and Cisco's sitting there and he says, oh, sir, about the Defiant. And he's like, yeah, congrats. You got the Graviton Stabilizer this morning, I heard. And O'Brien's looking at Nog like, oh, cool. And so everything is smooth. Everything's cool. Um, O'Brien does say it'll take, um, what What was it? Like a couple, I think it was like three. Yeah, three or four hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think he said it would take him eight hours to install. And Cisco says, I would like to take it out in two. <laughs> yeah. Again, like Like, really crazy. But the thing that astonishes me is Cisco called him in the office in the first place to give him a maintenance request from a ship that had just docked on Deep Space Nine. And we don't, this is like such a random thing we're seeing. It's clearly like a daily occurrence, you know, ships come in and they use it as like a maintenance. Like, you know, you go and you get your car worked on while you're at the gas Mm -hmm. station and then you keep going. So I just think it's absolutely insane that not only does he have to stay on top of what's going on on the station and the defiant but also these random ships that he's like never worked on before and he has to fix those too like this is astounding to me that's such a good point like o'brien is definitely seen as overworked you know i think that's why he like plays so hard like why he goes on those holodeck adventures with bashir like we said he does not do engineering as a hobby in his free time you know and i think it is because of this like he sees too much of it during the day that he is yeah constantly tired constantly having a hard time as we see and so um great acknowledgement yeah so important i think should we talk about business as usual now another time where mr o'brien is overworked (laughs) to the max because he literally can't even put kiryoshi down for a second before he starts crying this baby is like probably what a few months old. Yeah, <laughs> like, not old point. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Keiko is away at the moment. And so O'Brien has been like holding him all day long and all night long. <laughs> like basically for a few days, he hasn't been able to set Kiryoshi down at all. And so he gives him to Jake and Jake is like, okay, we'll be fine. And then right before they go out the door, 
he starts crying which i'm like self-soothe you know at this point like well I, yeah i'm like just leave him with jake like he's jake's yeah. problem now you know yeah like yoshi's not gonna cry forever he's gonna be fine you know but yeah but brian can't do it like he can't he, he can't do it and so he takes kiryoshi to work with him just the dedication here's the thing though that was bothering me is that he literally holds kiryoshi like in his arms like a freaking actual baby the entire time and doing everything yeah. with one hand and i'm like did they totally get rid of like baby carriers yeah and you they know? have those like i've seen him wear those there's I'm things where you sure. can strap the baby onto you you yeah. know and i feel like even if you just got like a sling for him to lay on so it feels like he's in yeah. his arms you know like know. that would work i, I just chief no wonder your neck and shoulder hurts so bad <laughs> yeah like put the baby down like just readjust my dude um <laughs> yeah that made me laugh i but also it was just so wholesome to see him he's literally like at the bar playing darts <laughs> like he just brings she like all around the station it's amazing yeah oh i just i love seeing those moments where like truly his like fatherly interactions and engineering work has to sort of collide you know which we're going to be actually talking about in a little bit (laughs) spoiler not not spoiler (laughs) get ready the episode ends where finally finally kiryoshi falls asleep in the pit in ops because o'brien set him down and something about the situation like was really comforting and cisco he's trying to be understanding but he's like you need to get your baby off (laughs) you need to get your baby out of here i really get like picard would have like gone berserk (laughs) get my baby off my bread mr (laughs) o'brien would have gone feral yeah even an adorable child like giving saying thank you to him twice on the bridge he's like oh my god (laughs) like get him off yeah also the thing is is that cisco he tells o'brien immediately as soon as he sees that the baby's sleeping he's like take some days off until keiko gets back please so like it turns out all of this is just like o'brien is is like anxious in his head and he's like i have to get it done i have to get it done Makes um, sense because everyone's asking everything of him. Yeah, like just again, like not very healthy for him, mm-hmm. but like that's the job too. He signed up for is to be on demand, like at all times. But yeah, I'm just very happy that Cisco like saw that this is a desperate situation. <laughs> like you can't keep bringing your baby to these repairs places. Like. Yeah, like I was a dad too. I know it's hard. Okay, also the fact that there's not a daycare center on d space nine is also yeah. shocking because they have a school okay but bro so- there wasn't a school until keiko made one yeah but so. still that was like still early right yeah it was like season one or two i feel like yeah it's not a priority i guess but that's insane yeah i don't know <laughs> i just can't believe there's not a nursery or anything but yeah whatever huh say lovey starfleet says screw your kids <laughs> just good luck <laughs> it's even starfleet like Maybe they should have the bandwidth for it, but still, my God. I don't know. Quark could have a little, like, pen Come in the corner. <laughs> Put a slide in. Come right now. Don't walk. Crawl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Baby, baby's corner. <laughs> yeah. He would try that for sure. Um, uh, oh, my gosh. Wow. Is it Forsaken time? Yeah. Let's talk about another one of O'Brien's babies. <laughs> this is a kind of weird one. <laughs> Bro, I kind of liked it. I liked it from the engineering standpoint. It's very season one. 
I mean, I love it because we get to see O'Brien fighting with the computer again. This is truly when O'Brien is starting to lose his mind and he is contemplating ripping the entire computer out and starting from scratch. He calls it a root canal and he says that's like engineering shorthand for like starting from scratch, you know, basically on an engine or on a computer or something. I'm shaken sort of that I think Cisco like didn't know what a root canal was. <laughs> Makes me wonder about what's going on in the future. Like how much better is our healthcare? Because no one wants a root canal, you know? I think, yeah, just dental care, but in general is better. Yeah, wow. Once you have like access to for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Look what happens. Look what happens. Yeah. Okay, so O'Brien essentially, like we said, fighting with the computer, he is trying to do diagnostics and the computer is fine with letting efficiency be at 13% like operating at 13%. And O'Brien is like, that is ridiculous. Like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, He's like, essentially shouting at the computer, shout, like, like having an argument of like, are you serious? Like, Starfleet protocol demands like a way higher percentage. And I demand it, you know, and so then Cisco comes over and he's like, what is going on? Like, are you okay, basically? And O'Brien says that it's just a bloody inefficient system, you know, and he has realized that, like, this is insane. I need a new computer and I need to get this Cardassian technology, like, out because he's working with the computer. And so I love that he's trying to explain it to Cisco. He's like, you don't understand, like, as an engineer, I couldn't look myself in the mirror if I kept the computer how it is now, is what he says. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, I wrote that one down too. Yeah. Um, I also love that he's he notices a difference in the computer's voice. And because yeah. he works with her all day, <laughs> like mm-hmm. listening to every single timbre that the voice could possibly make, he knows it extremely well. And so when it's different and a little bit changing, some different inflections, he's yeah. like shaken. Like, why <laughs> is she talking differently? Yeah. And then I also, I, at first, cause the, the way the scene goes is at this point, we've already seen Loxana Troy is on yes. board and she's swimming with Odo. Um, <laughs> but the scene opens after she's introduced and, or after she's been on the station for a little bit. And then O'Brien goes, can you hear that? As the computer's talking and Cisco's like, what? And I swear he was going to say like, that sounds like Troy's mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wish that would have been the funniest like retcon. <laughs> yeah, like it sounds so much like Loxana Troy. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I mean, have you seen that meme of like Riker trying to like order condoms for the replicator? <laughs> it's like, this is weird with your mom's voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this episode is brilliant because, again, we're seeing O'Brien working with his people. And Inara is one of the workers who he works closely with. He's telling her to keep an eye on the temperature as he's, like, trying to work through this Cardassian tech. He keeps hearing the computer say, procedure not recommended. He's starting to lose it. He's like, no, this computer, this is no computer. This is my arch enemy, he says. (laughs) So So he's having a battle of wits. (laughs) And then... This crazy probe comes along that we learn later on is an entity, like a technological entity that essentially O'Brien accidentally adopts and puts into the system. And he has to end up creating a dog house that he calls it in order to keep this dog, basically this puppy that they've accidentally picked up entity preoccupied. 
I think this dog is still probably here. <laughs> like this little puppy. This is a like a, a rare moment where they have this thing that they introduce and then it's complete loose end. Yeah. Like there's never a moment, I don't think, where O'Brien's like, that puppy's doing great in the doghouse. Like it's just, it's <laughs> yeah. never brought up again. Yeah, absolutely. But I love that O'Brien knows, like you said, right away, the computer's sounding different when they get the probe on board and he's like, Wow, like well done computer because it's cooperating it's being very nice like it's doing everything without saying like procedure not recommended all that kind of stuff and then of course that's when they start to realize that once o'brien tries to leave the entity shuts down the turbo lift or when o'brien tries to eat the entity shuts down the <laughs> replicators that kind of stuff so it really o'brien's realizing it really wants attention because they're like first let's just leave it alone maybe it's processing too much but turns out it needs to process all of it <laughs> and then you know that's what they do of course they like overwhelm it which is a very classic star trek doing star trek <laughs> it really is <laughs> <laughs> it's just genius like o'brien so he works so quickly like on the fly i think that's why i love this episode so much is because he's like he realizes what this entity needs because he kind of speaks computer just like this entity does you know and they can kind of understand each other in this way and that's something that's always so special about engineers is like basically speaking a different language you know absolutely this whole episode is very cool i thought especially at the very end when they're actually like taking the computer apart each of them has to pull out something and the voice like changes and gets interrupted and it really was reminding me of 2001 a space odyssey yes. with Hal and like the voice slowly fading away and how creepy that is mm-hmm. um yeah what a cool episode yeah well done and an interesting episode and weird episode <laughs> all all of all of it all all the above that's why we yeah. have ds9 here we get it all yeah Okay, Oof. how is everybody doing? This is, you know, I think we're, I think we're speeding through. Yeah, like, like we're being very efficient today. I feel like we've, yeah, we've covered it all, but we've also uh, not trying to, you know, take out your entire day by listening to this one pod. So <laughs> we have um, just one section left, which is Enterprise. I mean, which is Rihanna's <laughs> e. a capital E, and yeah. she says Enterprise, Enterprise. <laughs> which is engineering versus feeling. So this is exactly what we were talking about earlier with O'Brien and carrying around Kiryoshi everywhere. How does O'Brien reconcile with having to take care of both his family or his friends and an engineering project? <laughs> Let's find out. Which, and it's it's much more interesting than it sounds. <laughs> oh, he said that was dull as hell, bro. <laughs> like, how does O'Brien still go to work when <laughs> someone's in danger? Like, let's find his out. His wife is possessed. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh, so the first one is Empok Nor. That's right. Ooh. We're pulling this baby out. This is a big reason why we wanted to talk about O'Brien's history and being the setlick of being the hero. <laughs> setlick of hero three. <laughs> the hero, the hero sector is uh, quite Se- nice. I hear sector. Yeah. What is um, <laughs> I was just joking around. We're delirious and literally, yeah, literally, we're like, well, it's a lot of O'Brien. <laughs> um, okay, final stretch here. This is like the the, the last time. the last 
time. And it's the hardest part. I know. It's like, oh, yeah, we have all our energy to spend coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why we wanted to bring up the fact that he was the hero of set like three, because he has to, in this episode, go like find all the engineering stuff he needs while not getting murdered by beloved character Garrick. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Garrick has been possessed by this like crazy blue blue virus gel thing um, that made him like have a bloodlust essentially. So He's murdering people. O'Brien has to grapple with the fact that he has to like collect these supplies to try and try to get his crewmen out alive and try to not kill Garrick, but also stop him. All the while also working with Nog. So I think this is important to note is that like Mbok Noor is a great episode also to understand Nog and O'Brien's relationship because they have a really good rapport. They're really funny with their like banter on the Defiant Bridge. I'm always cracking up at those scenes. I love that he's also kind of encouraging Nog, you know, when he's a cadet and then an ensign going into war. Like, Nog is joining Starfleet at a really precarious time. And so O'Brien is always like, don't worry, Nog, like, we'll figure this out. Or don't worry, Nog, like, well, you got the Cardis on the run. Or, you know, he says all this kind of stuff that is really meant to soothe Nog and help him understand that, like, we're Starfleet, we work together, we'll get out of these situations. But... I love seeing too when they're just like normal repair mode, like the beginning of this episode, because Nog just like hands O'Brien the tool that he was going to ask for before he knew it. Again, acting like radar. Radar coded. Yeah. Yep. And then O'Brien and Nog just like chilling in the tubes together is like so cute. They're working so hard. Like even Rom, of course, loves O'Brien. He says he can learn a lot from him. <laughs> and O'Brien accepts Nog for the mission, you know? And I love that too, because a lot of the other engineers, like Stevens is like, why are you here? Cadet and O'Brien's like, okay, good, Nog, you're here. Let's go kind of thing. So that's so cool. Like the trust he gave to him. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting that the people who were also on the mission with them i think two of them at least were from waste extraction which yeah. also in my notes i wrote waste distraction distraction <laughs> i know it's, it's that's what uh, that's what um ron was in for a while yeah waste extraction yeah. um so they're coming and this dude like volunteered for it too he was getting excited um yeah oof rip volunteered <laughs> <laughs> to die yeah. <laughs> On DS9, the entire plasma distribution manifold is dead, like completely dead, and it can't be replicated. And so that's why they have to go to Empok Nor in the first place was mm. to get that. And then O'Brien's like, well, while we're there, might as well just get as much tech as we can. Like, let's kind of do a salvage operation on it. Yeah. And so once they arrive, he reminds everybody like, okay, we're in teams in like the must-haves which is mm-hmm. him and Nog, the could use, which is like a couple more people. And then the would be nice group. <laughs> I um, that one. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if we <laughs> had this thing? So yeah, I love that. Like so organized. This whole episode is another example of just how good of a leader he is. Not only like with Nog, like you're talking about, but even amongst like quelling the fears of everybody who, you know, because <laughs> things go get dark pretty quickly. Absolutely. And also still coming up with ideas like to do the SOS pulse to like try to reach deep space nine to say like, Hey, our shuttle like left the docking ring, you know, it's just floating away um, from these Cardassians. And so I think that, yeah, the fact that he's dealing with the like homicidal Garrick and he's dealing with trying to send out these SOS pulses and dealing with everyone's fears and his own fear. 
and dealing with trauma from like the war you know it's just like insane how much he goes through and still stays calm stays cool and collected i think to be an engineer you kind of have to thrive on that stuff on like crisis scenarios i have to be a little bit of a like adrenaline junkie you know (laughs) to to really enjoy not enjoy but to really like be able to work in an engineering position in this high pressure scenario all the time yeah and i think we really see o'brien flip into a different mode when these type of emergencies happen and this of course has to do like with his background this is one of the reasons why he was ended up being recruited for section 31 is his ability (laughs) to which is a crazy sentence (laughs) yeah yeah but because he he has this ability to kind of detach himself and stay very level-headed and very calm in these Mm -hmm. really like difficult situations I think especially like everything that Garrick is saying to him and reminding him of the war like that could be a pressure point for a lot of people that would make them explode but he doesn't even kill Garrick in the end like there ends up being a showdown and he gets him but I was also thinking that Bashir would probably murder O'Brien if he killed oh, Garrick, you know, so yeah, that would have been, yeah. been a really bad situation. So Miles was like, I'm not getting between him no. and Bashir. <laughs> yeah. Great point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, O'Brien or Bashir would like never be friends with him again. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Insane. I, O'Brien's so talented. This series is really making me see that more and more, you know, and I think I see a lot of O'Brien from his sort of family man perspective from the like tough times he has with Keiko and sort of the arguments and fights and stuff. But I think a lot of it is born from the amount of work and pressure he's under. And where do you go to take that pressure sometimes out on, on your family because you're stressed from work. But also sometimes he goes and lets the pressure off, you know, by playing darts or spending time with Molly. But what happens when the pressure is your own wife pressuring you because mm. her body is possessed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, let's let's take a look and see what would hypothetically, how would yeah. O'Brien react to that? Um, <laughs> this is the assignment. This is a crazy episode. This is another one. And actually, I didn't even realize we put them back to back, the two episodes that were also in our spooky series. I'm so um, glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, because these are both two very spooky episodes. The assignment, basically, Keiko's been away looking at the fire caves. Wee wee, mm. danger yeah, <laughs> on, ba- on Bajor. She's just visiting them. And she comes back with a effing paw wraith, like, in yeah. her body. On- honestly, I've cursed so many times this episode, if you want to go for it. Okay, she comes back with a fucking paw wraith <laughs> that's, like, taking over her body. Yeah. And basically, this paw wraith has been, like, chilling in the caves for so long like dreaming of a way because they were cast out from the temple the celestial temple because they were false prophets and mm-hmm. if they return to the temple they will be killed unless as this little demon is trying to do unless they're trying to kill all the prophets and so basically taking over Keiko's body she forces him to modify DS9 in a certain way to like grab the energy from it and then put it into the shuttle and then like kill the wormhole aliens with yeah. it so all of this yeah. is happening and poor o'brien like there's a ticking clock um several times the paw wraith will like injure keiko to prove that she's serious about yeah. him making Oof. all these repairs this is a really wild episode 
it's so stressful to watch. I don't obviously go back to it very often, but it was interesting seeing it from an engineering perspective because it seems so harmless what he's doing at first. And even when Judzia finally notices it, O'Brien's like, well, it doesn't seem like the saboteur is like making any big modifications to the system. And so it's just like crazy how smart this Paul Wraith is. And also it really shows how distracted Miles is understandably this is the thing is i'm like i have so much empathy for him in this situation because he has to work under this ticking clock the threat of his daughter and his wife getting hurt or killed and he was like honestly i've been such a mess i wasn't thinking straight because rom says rom works with him which is amazing and we'll get into that in a second but rom essentially says why are you trying to kill the wormhole aliens and he's like, what? Like, what What are we doing? And so he was so caught up in it that he couldn't really see the big picture, you know? And I just think that that is such a great moment for him when he realized that. He was like, oh my God, like it was right in front of my face what the paw race intention was. But of course he's going to be distracted. Like, this is where really being an engineer is detrimental to him because, and also it's possessing Keiko. And so it knows everything she knows and it knows how resourceful O'Brien is, how smart, how he tries to outmaneuver. And so this Paw Wraith is always one step ahead of him and he's not in his right mind. He's having like the worst birthday of his life, (laughs) you know, and it's just rough to watch, but amazing to see, you know, that he is able to like stop the Paw Wraith in the end because wow, what a like it's immense pressure. Rihanna, all this is like such a good point. And it really reminds me that you cannot really function fully unless you have enough sleep. Like we see O'Brien just getting like his, he's having so much trouble because he's like staying up all night to do these repairs. He's up at three in the morning with Dax Wilden. I do think we should talk about Rom real quick too, Please. because yes. this is a great episode for him because he was promoted to swing shift. So mm-hmm. he is like ready to do anything during the day. He's no longer on night shift. He gets his assignment, his first assignment, and he finishes it way before everybody else. He has to go to the upper pylons and he finishes so quickly. And so O'Brien thinking, oh, I can kind of manipulate Rom. He asks him to do the task with him to kind of help him alter DS9 and tells him that no one else knows. And then Rom's like, no one knows. And he's like, well, they have to pretend that they don't know because it's like top secret. So he's Mm -hmm. totally manipulating him to get him to help. And I mean, in the end, though, like as the episode goes on, like Rihanna said, Rom figures it out. And so O'Brien just tells him everything. And I love seeing their partnership. And I think this is a big reason why O'Brien respects Rom so much is because he was really a homie to him in this episode. Yes. Oh, so true. And I think, too, it is kind of sad to see, though, that O'Brien's trying to manipulate him because once he tells him the truth, he's still going to help and he's still not going to tell anyone Rom is made out to be sort of like the stupid character a lot in a lot of the characters' eyes. And so he mentions this in the episode. He's like, how much longer are you going to make me play the idiot? Because Rom is now in the brig, (laughs) you know, and being questioned about why he was making all these modifications. O'Brien's like, just a little longer. You just have to play the idiot. Like, can you do it? And he says, I'm Quark's brother, you know? And I think that's so sad, you know, because he always plays the idiot around Quark. And I think through his career in engineering, we all as audience has seen you know like how brilliant he is and not that like you have to be an engineer to be brilliant you know there's so many brilliant people out there but it's just interesting to see that that's the perception other people have of him he just doesn't want to keep playing into that role once he's sort of stepped beyond it and seen his own potential I just love to see him growing in engineering and like he's like I don't I get my work done quickly because I don't chat with people and I'm not like talking throughout all my shift 
but he does want to be a part of the crew and he wants to be a part of the engineers and they really do start to accept him and i love that because they're probably just learning his quirks you know and they're like okay he's just he's just wrong yeah well and it's like what he says at the end of bar association like the only prospects he had in life before joining the engineering team was to wait for quark to die so he could inherit the bar like this is this is how he explains to quark that he's quitting because there's just you know that's not Mm -hmm. fun like he wants to do something for himself and so i just i love him on this path oh love that journey for him yes let's go to hard time lol um specifically we're just going to focus on it's kind of a nice uh wrap up on talking about o'brien was teaching jake how to recognize tools and do some like engineering repair type things Mm -hmm. early on and that's how their like friendship and relationship formed in this episode O'Brien has had a really hard time and he has been (laughs) wrongfully sent to prison in his mind for like 10 years, even though 20 years, yeah, in his mind. But then in real life, it was only what, like a couple hours and it was really traumatizing. And yeah, he's like in the worst mental state when he comes back from this. And because it's been so long, he can't be the chief right now. Because he doesn't really have his, he doesn't know what to do to fix the station. And so there's a really nice scene of Jake quizzing him on what all the tools are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just a quick mention, but I think it's really important to O'Brien as an engineer, you know, that he still, he's going through such this terrible, hard time that like getting some normalcy and like getting back into the engineering, I think is really important for him and in his healing path, like stepping back into that role you know something that he really enjoys doing and loves working with his people and everything loves working with Munez and Alana and all these it's really nice to see that O'Brien has these friends and Jake especially in this episode it's just such a touching moment because then he's quizzing him O'Brien like takes a second to think about something and then he's like let's go again I don't want to like be embarrassed in front of the repair crews if I like pull out the wrong equipment and Jake's like, oh my gosh, like, don't be worried about that. You may be a little rusty, but you're still the chief, is what he says. And I just, oh, it's so important to, like, remind him of, you know. And I just want to mention also that Munez, the this side engineer, is in so many episodes. And so I'm so happy that we were able to include him so many times in this because he's in Hard Time. He is in Starship Down, probably a few more that we didn't even watch for today. And then, of yeah. course, he's in The Ship, which is... The, our next episode we're going to discuss yes the ship this is a great one i this is another one that ran and i watched together and i kept thinking i'm pretty sure this is rocks and shoals because it's they're, it is the same plot yeah they're like on the same set like in this yes. like rocky desert with shrubs everywhere and they have an encounter with the gem hadar it's mm-hmm. yeah hilarious yeah yep, totally um, but in this one they discover a crashed Jem'Hadar ship on this planet. And so it's Cisco. Who do we have in this one? Cisco, this O'Brien. Worf. Yes, Worf, Munez. Jadzia. And Jadzia. Yeah. Yeah. And a couple other engineers and like staff on the shuttle. I think it's like the Saratoga or no, that, that's not Cisco's ship. <laughs> I think it's like the Runabout or I don't know, some other shuttle. Who knows? 
Yeah, something that's the renegade <laughs> I just yeah. made up. <laughs> this is the team that we have down there. And I want to call attention at the beginning. Wait, should we give the plot or just like go into it? Let's go into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something I thought was really interesting because at the beginning of the episode, we're establishing the friendship between Munez and O'Brien. And they have a really great rapport with each other. They tease each other. They like know each other really well. But there's they have an interaction where Munez calls him sir. And he's like, O'Brien's like, dude, don't call me sir. I'm not an officer like the rest of them. And he's like, yeah, but you're a sir to me. But I just think it's interesting because now that my husband is in the Air Force, in order to be an officer, you have to be above the rank of E6. And otherwise, you're just enlisted if you're under that. And like, I'm just wondering in Starfleet, because I didn't know this was a thing. Like, yeah, same. Like, at what point are you an officer in Starfleet? Because I just thought all of them were officers. But I think technically O'Brien has a rank of what, like, lieutenant? I think so, technically. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And so are you an officer at commander or at captain? You know what I mean? Because I guess if Dax and Worf and Cisco are all officers, maybe... Lieutenant commander, because I think yeah. Worf is a lieutenant commander. So I don't know. This was this really threw me. <laughs> I, I was like, what? Like, no, I kind of got the feeling that he like didn't go to Starfleet Academy or like took some other like additional type of schooling. But no, like, I don't know because they mentioned that about other engineers, but I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. That really confused me. But anyway, it, it was still a great scene when you get yeah. to establish what kind of relationship that Brian has. Yeah, him and Munez are just cracking up. Like, they are, like, cracking jokes back and forth. That's very much their relationship. Like, teasing each other all the time. That kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. O'Brien is obsessed with the ship design. He is like, oh my god, all this is so efficient. (laughs) Yes, it's so funny. Yeah, this crash ship could be really valuable. And the Vorta know this as well. And so they send down a patrol that finds them and the ship and everything. And that's where Munez gets hurt and a lot of the officers get killed. They get blown up on the shuttle and a, fo- a couple officers on the ground. Of course, all of our senior officers are fine. <laughs> um, all the red shirts are getting taken down and Munez gets shot. And so this is sort of the crux of the episode for O'Brien because we get to see him trying to interact with both like the fact that Munez could die and that he has to repair the ship enough to get it flying the defiance not going to be here for two days and so they have to get the ship flying to get out of the system before the gem hadar blow them up essentially because cisco has this like trading moment where neither of them trust each other and that's what like fucks them all over <laughs> basically um is the fact that they didn't trust each other from the beginning they both just wanted o'brien or cisco wanted the ship and the vorta wanted the changeling hiding inside the ship and they both just like didn't trust each other and cisco he is telling o'brien really writing on him like i think to an unfair amount about like you need to focus on the ship you know like and i understand totally because he does say we all have to get out of here you know and like we can't all die here and so if munez dies i'm gonna need you so repairing the ship so o'brien's so torn and it's really interesting to watch because O'Brien is much more of a not like singular mind focused type of engineer. Like, of course, he's going to be worried about his friend and wanting to be by his side more. But his literal job description like stops him from doing that. Yeah, he's working really hard to try to do both as much as possible. So he's working on the ship. And then when he's not, he's literally like arms around Muniz, like 
changing his wounds or whatever. And there's several times where Dax is doing it and he's like, get out of the way. Like it's my turn. I'll look at Kike. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's, it's such a sweet relationship. Unfortunately, Munez also does not survive. Yeah. Very sad. Rest in peace. I know. Cause when Munez is asking, how bad is it, sir? O'Brien, you know, is like, you'll be fine. Munez says, I called you, sir, and you didn't even flinch. So yet again, like he knows him too well. And the engineers are so tight knit. They know each other each other so well. And I think Colum's acting in this is so good. Like he, the way his face just like turns into a mask of stone when Munez is asking like, but the defiance two days away, you know, like they kind of know that he's not going to make it. And O'Brien still has to go and get up and work on the ship. So I think this is just such a powerful episode to see sort of how torn he is in these two separate directions of feelings and of like, I just need to go and repair this thing so we can all make it out alive. Like, oh, crazy. He's doing the most. He's doing the most and he's handling it fine. And Dak says in the episode, I don't think a ship's been invented that you can't figure out. And oh, we yes. see that this is true. O'Brien will literally work on a random ship that just docked at the station. And yep. who knows what alien species it's from. It doesn't matter because he is like the modern day miracle worker. Truly. Yeah. Incredible. He, he is the miles of all trades. I just, he really yeah. is. Um, wow. At the very end of the show, O'Brien in what you leave behind, we find out that he goes to teach at starfleet he becomes a professor yeah it's incredible i mean i think like again we're seeing that he is choosing his family you know and and i think like the relocating it's sort of time for them molly's growing up kiryoshi's starting to be like a toddler or more you know and so much has changed on deep space nine in this finale that it is hard to see him leave but like i kind of love the idea of him being a professor you know and getting to like relax a bit i mean obviously it's still a stressful job teaching not not saying that it isn't but compared to being chief of operations on this space station right by the gamma quadrant wormhole like he worked a whole lifetime (laughs) within those seven years that i think like he absolutely deserves to like settle down a bit and be able to sort of teach the next generation no pun intended of starfleet you know cadets and stuff i think that's really cool Oh, yeah. Rihanna, would you consider him to be the most important person in the universe, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, right along with Boimler and <laughs> Boimler's corner cutting. Uh, Buffer time. Buffer time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. They're right by each other. You know, like, they have to be talked about in history. <laughs> Buffer time and Miles O'Brien. Yeah, absolutely. Go watch Lord X. That's yeah, just know what PSA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, Rihanna, in our universe, we have 16 people who are very important to us, and they are Jordan Hirsch, Megan Chowning, MC Freudis, Spotted Giraffe, Isabel, David Willett, Kurlan Naskos, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gil Dara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, Michelle, and Beverly. Thank you so much. I said 17 people because I had a Beverly. Thank you all so much for being patrons of this podcast. We really appreciate you. And Rihanna, whoa, we just, we finished it. We did it. We talked about Miles. I'm so happy. Yeah. I hope you all got some water, (laughs) took some breaks. Um, Ashlyn and I had a great time. I think that was so fun talking to you. Thank you, Ashlyn, for bringing all your insight to O'Brien and engineering. 
you and also okay. brought the insight and the knowledge. So thank you. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, and I see a very amazing looking list for Bellana for next week. So it looks like <laughs> Ashlyn's already created quite a good one. So I'm really excited to talk about Bellana and hopefully, you know, Janeway. <laughs> I mean, as usual. What do you think? You think we're going to talk yeah. about Janeway in an engineering podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So stay tuned for that next week. And we just really appreciate you listening, tuning in as always. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rihanna. Thank you for joining me. And I just have to say, kapla. And victory is life. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the fifth episode of our engineering series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss all things Bolana Taurus in Star Trek Voyager. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and Twitter. I hate reading all of those. Um, (laughs) To check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating $1, $6, $12, or $23 per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive rewards for each tier. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, Death Fakeouts, First Officers, Spooky, and the Holodeck series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media, marketing, and editing is by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith.